Well, are we ready? Yeah. Only a couple of yas? Man, we're not ready? Well, do we need to stand up and stretch out and get ready? No? Okay, I, I was just checking. History. Uh, we've all had to study it, right? History began around 4,000 B.C. Uh, with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. With great gusto and volume, God spoke light into existence. Let there be light. And there was. Water, earth, sky, stars, moon, sun, animals, fish, birds, and the crowning glory of God's creation, mankind. Since time began some 6,000 years ago, God put his story into action. It was a clear, decisive plan. He gave mankind the freedom to choose himself or their own way. In history, mankind fell to their own way, confused and, and full of thoughts that this is their story being told, full of doubt and convinced that God had left them out of something they ate of the fruits that God commanded them not to eat of. Part of his story is faith. God is asking us, do you trust me? Believe what I tell you. Allow me to show you the story that I have for you. Inside this story are the stories of faith and also the lack of faith. And really, that is where sin begins. A lack of faith in the one that created you and has shown you the right way to live. A lack of faith that his story is the right story. And that all other stories are made up to distract us from God. Inside of his story is your story and my story. It started with creation and continued through the flood into the life of Abraham. God called Abraham to himself just as he calls you and I to himself, all so we can be part of his story. As part of his story, God, in his wisdom, saw that we would need a way to kill sin and live the life God had planned for us without sin. The story is incredible. We who were separated and enemies of God have found grace and mercy at the cross. We have also found a place in his story that is a shelter from the storm, a place that if utilized, puts us right in the palm of the one that gave us life to begin with. A life that is filled with abundance, a story that is seen in numbers has huge benefits if we trust God in his story. So I'd like to read with you Numbers 13, 21 through 29. And this is what it says. So they went up and explored the land from the desert of Zin as far as Rehob, toward Lebo Hamath. And they went up from the Negev and came to Hebron, where Ahiman, Shishai, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, lived. Hebron had been built seven years before Zon in Egypt. When they reached the valley of Eshkol, they cut off a branch wearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them, along with some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the Valley of Eshkol. Because of the cluster of grapes, the Israelites cut off there. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. 
They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly, they showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live there near the sea along the Jordan. Imagine. I mean, we go to the store and get grapes, right? We get grapes. I mean, this was a cluster of grapes that had to be carried on a pole between two guys. Those had to have been like monster grapes, right? A land flowing with milk and honey, literally. But those in the land are huge. That's what these men said, all but two of them. In fact, it goes on later in Numbers to say we look like grasshoppers in our own eyes compared to them. In fact, in their eyes, we looked like grasshoppers too. Doubt. Doubt. Since the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3, the enemy has been trying to place doubt in our minds that what God says is right is right. History is filled with doubt by humanity towards God, straight from the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3, clear through into the New Testament with Zechariah, which is your first point this morning, or our first point. Zechariah, would you turn with me to Luke chapter 1? We're going to study three lives this morning, actually four. We're going to study Zechariah and Elizabeth, John the Baptist, and you. Those are the lives we're going to look at as we look at your story in his story or my story in his story. So as we turn to Luke chapter 1, we're going to read verses 5 through 25 this morning and focus our time here, looking at these three characters from the Bible as we look at his story. So if you'd follow along with me as, as I read, that would be awesome. So Luke chapter 1, verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judah, Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of the incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fer fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit of the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. 
I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple for he kept making signs to them but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Let's pray. God, uh, we want so much to learn from you and your word. Uh, And I pray this morning as we look at, at Zachariah and Elizabeth and John the Baptist that we can see some reflection of our own lives in their stories, but also that we would really see our story in in your story. Uh, God, thanks for loving us. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to kind of combine the first two points. The second point is Elizabeth, because they are husband and wife. It just makes sense, right? Can't have one without the other. Uh, So if you're wondering, Zachariah is one. The second blank is Elizabeth. Um, Zachariah, uh, his wife, both. They're both a man and a woman who knew God. They both were righteous in the sight of God, as we have record in verses 6 and 7. They observed all of the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. They were childless and old in age. Does this sound like any of us? Living a life that would please God. But, there's a big but here. He doubted the reality of the message and the answering of his prayer. Does that sound like any of us? It often sounds like me. I pray and and ask God for specific things, and and then I doubt whether he will provide or that he has provided. I don't think that's just me. Uh, Luke 1.18 says, Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. Then 19 and 20 says, the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you his good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Now I know in reality, I mean, when we doubt, we don't, we don't go mute, right? We can still talk. But... But honestly, can you say that you have the fullest blessing that you have in life? Because my guess is that John missed out on a little bit of blessing by not being able to speak to people and, and tell him exactly what he saw. It was more of a write it down on, on a pen and on a pad. He couldn't, he couldn't display the joy and the excitement of what was going to happen How many times in our doubt do we lose blessing? Do we lose the joy of what God wants to do in our lives? Zechariah Zechariah was made mute by God until the birth of his son because of his unbelief. You know, I can't say that I've ever seen anybody that that God has, has made somebody mute because of their unbelief in my time. But I do think God disciplines us in our unbelief and our doubt. 
And I think we can take that point away from Zachariah's life pretty clearly that when we pray and ask God, I think it's very clear that he was praying for a child and he did not believe that his wife of old age could have a child. You know what? This is all part of, of God's story, of his story inside of Zachariah's life. Later in Luke 167 through 79, we have record of Zechariah and this great prayer of praise and worship. In, in fact, it, uh, well, the heading in my Bible, or verse 67 says, his father Zechariah was filled with, whole, with the Holy Spirit and he prophesied. If you haven't just stopped to examine this, this, this prophecy and, and this prayer, this, this just moment of worship, that Zechariah has once his speech is given back, once John the Baptist is born, you need to stop and, and just look at that. We don't have time to do that today. So I encourage you to do that this Christmas season. Stop and look at this prayer because this is part of Zechariah's story inside of God's story, inside of his story. Yeah, he was a man that doubted God and what God was going to do, but in the end, his heart was restored and so was his voice. Because at the, heart of his, at the heart of who Zechariah was, we go back to what it says about Zechariah and Elizabeth, that they were a man and a woman who know God. They were righteous in the sight of God. They observed all of the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. They were childless and old in age. So let's look a little deeper at Elizabeth. Um, again, a woman who knew God. We just went through all of that. Righteous in the sight of God. Um, she observed all of the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. All part of his story inside of her story. She became pregnant and worshipped God through recognizing whose hand it was that made her pregnant. Luke 1, 23 through 25. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. That most likely had to do with, with the um, not having been able to become pregnant. So she remained in seclusion. Um, the Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken my disgrace among the people. Taken away my disgrace among the people. It was a disgraceful thing in the culture of the day to not be able to have a child, to not to have a son to carry on the family name, which I believe is why she stayed in seclusion for five months. But she very clearly recognizes this is the hand of God upon my life. This is my story in His story. Look what the Lord has done for me. She did not doubt it for a moment, at least not that we have recorded. She was no longer in disgrace because of her barren womb. God was working out His story all along in her life as well as Zachariah's as He called them together in marriage, as He called them together to live life together and to do work together, to have a family together in this time of their life. And it's a story that would change the course of His story. It's a story that would change the course of history, literally. Because long before Zechariah and Elizabeth were born, prophecy was spoken of their son, John the Baptist, or John the Baptizer, in Isaiah 40, verses 1 through 5. If you would look there with me, that would be great. Isaiah 40, verses 1 through 5. We're talking of John the Baptist. This is going to be their son. Um, 
And we have prophecy written um, several centuries before by Isaiah from the mouth of God. And Isaiah 40 verses 1 through 5 says this, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up and every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level and a rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all the people will see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now, this prophecy is spoken at a time when Israel has disobeyed God constantly and God has continually reminded them that if you will follow me, I will bless you. If you don't, I will curse you. And they're, they're at the, the footsteps of being overtaken by uh, a Babylon. Um, and we have this prophecy given of John the Baptist, which when you look at uh, John 1, 19 through 23, which is going to be up on the screen behind us here, um, this is what John says about himself. Now, this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. I'm not the one you're looking for. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. And they said, are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. You see, Israel is in need of one that could rescue them. The world in this day and age is in need of one that can rescue them. Israel, though centuries before, before Isaiah was given the choice by God to follow him and be blessed or go on your own way and be cursed, they went their own way multiple times starting clear back in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. You know, the old saying is, history repeats itself, right? We hear that often. Well, history repeats itself. It really does. Adam and Eve were the first ones to be deceived by the enemy, having doubt placed in their minds that, that God was not being truthful and, and upfront with Adam and Eve. God laid it out there, offering a huge blessing to the Israelites, Mankind looking at it and saying, we like our odds doing it our way. Sin is more appealing than patience and virtue. Of course, the whole thing is kicked off by the powerful persuasion of the enemy, the devil. He hasn't changed his tactics at all. He says the same to us that he did to Adam and Eve. Did God really say? Stop and think about your life for this moment. This moment in history, in his story. How often do you hear those words? Did God really say? But did God really tell you that? Is that really what God's word says? John the Baptist was prophesied about. He's the voice of one calling. John, by definition, the name means the Lord has been gracious. He was the one to prepare the way for the Messiah. 
the one of whom the angel spoke to his father, saying, He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. See, this is that man. John is that person. Elizabeth and, and uh, well, I just lost his name, Zachariah. Uh, they are all part of his story to bring about the Messiah. They're all part of the story to bring about. Let's go back to Isaiah for a minute and think about this. I've thought about this often as I've read Isaiah 40. That's one of my favorite chapters in Scripture. It says that the, the valleys will be made high and the mountains will be made low. Think about that. Think about what is being described there. We're talking about flat land. We're talking about everybody being able to see who the Messiah is. Clear the way. That's what John's job was to do. That's his part in the story. And really, I don't think that, that John's story is any different than yours or mine. The question then becomes, how do you, how do you, how do I fit into his story? How do we fit into the story of God? How do we fit into the story of Jesus? The truth is, you may be plain. You may be ordinary. Maybe like Elizabeth, you're not able to have kids. You may be struggling to see how you fit into his story. I promise you this, you do fit into God's story. His story is shared because he wants you. He shared it with you on purpose. You are at the heart of his story. You are at the heart of his story. You might not have headlines. You might not have a prophecy spoken about you. You might not have prophecy written about your son or your daughter. I have a feeling that Zechariah and, and, and Elizabeth had no clue other than being a priest and part of the priestly family what all of their story inside of God's story entailed until, not by coincidence, the lot was chosen for for. Zachariah to go into the temple and to be the priest that time. And Gabriel shows up and says, hey, dude, your prayer's been answered. You're going to have a kid. Uh, dude, have you seen how old I am? Uh, pretty sure that's not going to happen. And he walks out of there, can't talk. I mean, that's, that's where we're at. That's kind of Zachariah's story, at least the part that we know. Oh, man, it's a good story. And you might be saying, but Pastor Brandon, I don't live a life that is blameless, and, 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 or I do live a life that is blameless, and I follow God's word, yet I don't see how I fit into God's story, into his story. For some of you, fitting into his story is just being a mom. 
that's an okay thing. For some of us guys, it's, it's being laid up and allowing our wife to take the reins for a while. For some of us, it's, it's a stage of grief because we've lost a loved one. That's part of his story in our life. Part of his story in our life is the things that come into our lives, God will use somewhere down the road to minister to other people. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in my wife's life with the things that she's been through. I've seen it with the rest of my family and the things that they've been able to share and help people through. See, God is always right on time. He is never late and he is never early. He is always right on time. His clock is ticking. Tick, tick, tick. At the right time, Zachariah's lot was chosen to go to the temple. At the right time, Gabriel came and said, you will have a son. Elizabeth will be pregnant. At the right time, at six months of pregnancy, Mary found out she was pregnant or going to be pregnant. And she went to see Elizabeth. God's timing is impeccable. He fulfilled the prophecy concerning John the Baptist when the time was right. When, as the author of history, he decided was the right time to pen the story of the Savior of the world, the Savior came. And John the Baptist paved the way. That was his story. Your story is similar. Your story is to pave the way for others to see who Jesus is too. Only instead of pre-Christ, we're post-Christ. We get the awesome opportunity of sharing every single day of our lives with people in and around us as part of his story in history of who Jesus is. That's where our story fits into his story. At this moment in time, he is still penning every one of our stories. The pen is to the paper. He's writing it out. He is not in a hurry, and he's not behind time either. If you're single, old enough to get married, and you're wondering, why do I not have a boyfriend or girlfriend? God is still writing it out. He's not finished with you yet. If you're in your 60s, 70s, and 80s thinking, well, I've raised my kids, now what? God is not done with you yet. Look around at all the youth in this church. Now is your time to be a mentor to the young people in the church with Awana and helping out in Sunday school or come hang out one night in youth group with us. Your story is not done just because you're retired. God has so much more planned for you. And if you find yourself somewhere in the middle, not sure about where your story is at, God is right on time with that too. But the question still comes up. Will you trust me? He's asked that since the Garden of Eden. He gave Adam and Eve the command, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for in that day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Trust me that I know what's best for you, Adam and Eve. Do not eat of that tree. That's the same thing God is asking of you and I. Trust me with your life. 
Do you trust me that I have a plan for you? Do you trust me that I have your best interest at heart? Do you trust me to bring you the right person to marry? Do you trust me with your life? Philippians 1, 6 says this, Paul writing to the Philippian church, says, and I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on that day when Christ Jesus returns. I am certain of that for this church, for every single person that makes up this church in Lingle, Wyoming. God has started a work in you and he will be faithful to finish it out. Don't give up. Keep pushing on, keep pushing forward. Because God is working in and through you. Sometimes he works in and through us when we don't even realize he's doing it. And somewhere down the road, somebody will come back to you and say, you remember that time when I talked with you and you said this? That was huge to me. Or you just wrapped your arm around me. You are a very integral part to his story. In fact, you are his story. That's why Jesus came. That's the reason for the season. That's the reason we're talking about your story and his story. You are the reason he came to this earth as a little baby boy some 2,000 years ago. If you are the only one in existence, you, he would have done it just for you. Joyce, if you want to go ahead and come up, that'd be, that'd be great. Because at the end of the day, you, 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 and you at home are the heart of his story. That's why he did, did what he did. And this morning, as, as we have communion set up here, you don't need to be a member of, of this church to, to partake in this, but... but Communion is a time of, of remembering his story. I heard it said once, and I think it's really true. Jesus didn't come at Christmas time to be born. He came to die. That's what Christmas is about, is the death of Jesus Christ. And Easter is about his resurrection. Because that's coming. Give us about four months. The end of March. Jesus will be resurrected from the grave. That's his story. So this morning as, as we take the bread and, and as Jesus did in, in that last supper with his disciples and, and he took it and broke it apart and said, do this in remembrance of me as my body is about to be broken for you. And he took the cup and gave it to them and, and took the wine and, and, and said, this represents my blood that is shed for you. Do all of this in remembrance for, of me as often as you do it. That's what we're going to do. So as, as, we, as the gentlemen come forward to hand out communion, we're going to hand out both elements at once. Um, sit and meditate on how God has placed you in his story and what that means for you. And then just as you feel ready and are prepared, take part in his story. In remembrance. So guys, if you'll come, um, we'll hand out, hand out the bread and the... Whoop, dropped one. And Joyce, if you'd go ahead and, and start playing, that would be great. And, and
I do have gluten-free wafers up here too for anybody that needs those. I'll be happy to bring those around. Do we have anybody else that needs a gluten-free wafer? 